<laughs> Teacher Cynthia Wolski is reuniting with some of her former students outside their old school on 41st and State. This building on Chicago's south side used to be called Hardigan Elementary. This was home, this was family, this was, this, I mean, you see, I got goosebumps because the feeling I get when I'm in the presence of this school is unbelievable. Chicago Public Schools closed Hardigan in 2004. The reason? Low enrollment. The school served mostly kids from the nearby Robert Taylor Homes, a public housing complex. It was torn down a few years earlier. Because they were tearing down their homes. Can you imagine you're in the classroom, you're trying to teach, and, and there's, there's wrecking balls behind you? Because we could see the buildings from our classrooms. The children were literally watching their homes being destroyed. But when Hardigan closed, the district promised something new and better in its place. So they opened Bronzeville Lighthouse Charter two years later. One of Wolski's students, now a mom, sent her kids to the new privately run public school. It wasn't, to me, it wasn't as supportive and it wasn't as family-oriented as Hardigan was. But in 2015, Chicago pulled the plug on that new school, too. Please don't close our school because I want kids to have the same opportunity I was given. And can be the successful person. They said it wasn't performing well enough. This year, another school is taking up residence inside that building on 41st and State. So then this is our space completely redone, uh, refinished the floors. The Bronzeville Classical Elementary School tests students for admission, virtually guaranteeing it will never be closed for poor performance again. To recap, in the time it has taken for a child to grow up in this city, one building has housed three different schools. On the first day of school this fall, Chicago Mayor Rahm Emanuel cut the ribbon on this third iteration of that school. Three. Less than three hours later, he announced he would not run for another term in office. Hi, everyone. This is On Background, the WBEZ politics podcast. I'm Becky Vivi. In the time it's taken for a child to grow up in Chicago, city leaders have closed or totally restaffed more than 200 schools. In the same amount of time, the city has opened nearly as many new schools. Today, I'll talk with Linda Lutton about that generation of school closings and openings, what it has meant for students, and how all of this has become one of the major issues in Chicago politics. All right. Hi, Linda. Hey, Becky. So let's start at the very beginning. Chicago hasn't always been closing schools. It really started in 2002 with the closure of three elementary schools. Explain why the school district shut those schools down. Yep. So this is in the spring of 2002. And Mayor Richard M. Daly and his school's chief at the time, Arnie Duncan, announced they're going to shut three schools, Williams, Terrell, and Dodge. Uh, And the reason they say they're closing the schools is they've been chronically underperforming. And there is nothing else that can be done. The schools need a total reset, and we're going to start from scratch. This is the very first time we're closing schools for educational reasons. And in their place, and this was always promised, we were going to build new schools. They were called Renaissance schools, Renaissance with a small r. Then in 2004, Mayor Daley gives this idea a name. It's called Renaissance 2010. 
an educational rebirth of Chicago's struggling schools. In the next six years, we'll return as many as 20 low-performing high schools, as many as 50 to 60 elementary schools into new schools. What's promised under Renaissance 2010 is the opening of 100 new schools, and we're going to do that in a really short period of time, just five or six years. Chicago will have 100 new schools. Uh, At the time, you know, the district had about 600 schools, so you're talking about revitalizing, renewing a significant part of the school district. But it also meant, and this was never really hidden, uh, we were going to close a lot of schools as well. Explain why this thinking at the time was seen as so radical. Well, essentially up to then, you know, school reform in the U.S. had consisted of changes to curriculum. There were arguments about how reading should be taught. There were discussions and arguments over how instruction should be given. There was things called direct instruction where teachers would, you know, model the way something would be said and then there would be sort of a call and response. But this, this was a whole nother level because we were actually shutting down a school. And I should add, The city also said from the beginning that about two-thirds of the schools it would open would be privately operated. So they'd be charter schools or they'd be contract schools. Hmm. So at the time, what did people think about this idea? Well, if you look back at newspaper articles, um, you actually see a lot of the same reactions that you see today. You see uh, kids going home with tear-streaked faces. There were parents protesting. There were lawsuits filed. And eventually, sort of as Chicago saw more and more of its schools closing, we also see this policy work its way into the city's politics. If you were charting it back to its actual birthplace, I think one nice place to look would be Englewood High School. The city moved to close that school in 2005, and there was a teacher there at the time named Jackson Potter. He was the union steward. I mean, that was kind of the day that I decided we needed to take over the union in some ways because the vice president came to the school. And he, I was the delegate. Can I talk to you alone? Sure. We go to the side, you know, get your resumes ready. What do you mean get our resumes ready? They just announced this yesterday. we got to fight this. Here's why. And he said, well, it's not in the contract. So, you know, we have no right to challenge the district on this decision. So Jackson Potter becomes part of this caucus within the union that's going to fight to take over leadership. It's the caucus of rank-and-file educators. It's a progressive caucus. It's really a radical caucus. It's a caucus that puts school closings at the center of its platform, and they are determined above everything else to fight them. Over time, the creation of this caucus is going to have huge political implications for the city of Chicago. We'll get to that in a minute, but first, let's talk about all of the new schools that opened during this time. What was created? We opened all types of schools, specialty schools, magnet schools, uh, Montessori schools, and lots and lots of charter schools. This was a period of really massive charter school expansion. We saw whole networks of schools created under this program. For instance, the Noble Network of Charter Schools, when this 
plan started, Noble had a single campus. Today, that school has 18 campuses. It educates 12,000 students. And it's like a small district within our school district. Uh, Other charter networks that I'm sure Chicagoans have heard of, UNO charter schools, you know, they're now called Acero. Uh, So we're really seeing massive expansion. Almost all the schools we're closing are neighborhood schools, and almost all the schools we're opening at this time are citywide enrollment schools, meaning you don't have to live in any particular area in order to attend. It's It's reshaping the landscape of our school system. This strategy actually has a name. It's the portfolio model, and it's basically a lot like stock portfolios. The idea is you uh, sell your low performers and you buy better performers. So we're closing low-performing schools and opening schools that we hope are higher-performing. So as the new schools are opening, ribbons are being cut, parents are happy about it. But also more and more people are pushing back on this annual painful exercise of shuttering schools at the same time. Right. And you had this political tension. If you went to a school board meeting around this time, you would see members of Jackson Potter's caucus at every single school board meeting. And their number one topic all the time was school closings. There's an election in the union in 2010 Before we begin, I'd like to give a shout out to our president, Chicago Teachers Union, Karen Lewis. Jackson Potter and other folks in that caucus, including Karen Lewis, win leadership of the union. Then Rahm Emanuel is elected in 2011. He continues this policy of closing and opening schools over and over again. Right. Even though... This policy in its expansion was known as Renaissance 2010. It never ended in 2010. And the school district has continued to close and open schools throughout the entire tenure of Rahm Emanuel. And Emanuel also did a record number of turnarounds. We haven't talked much about turnarounds. That's when the entire staff gets fired at a school. Right. And it's kind of a light closing, if you will. Right. Everybody is fired from the principal to the lunch ladies, the janitors, security, all the teachers. The idea is you don't have to move kids and it's less disruptive for kids. But it fits into the same notion of a brand new start and a school too broken to ever possibly be fixed by anything else other than radical restart. But then Emmanuel is in this situation where we have opened more schools than we've closed. So he proposes shutting down 50 schools all at once. He actually told me in his exit interview that he had to do so many at once because politically, he didn't think he could do a few here, a few there, a couple each year. 10 is not easier than 50. And the Springfield would have stopped you and you never would have actually gotten done. So that was the calculation. It was either do nothing or get it done and get it out of the system. School closings explodes as a huge political issue at this time, and Rahm Emanuel could have lost a second term over this very issue. Right, and the face of the opposition at that point is Karen Lewis. This union president who really came to power within the union because of her strident opposition to school closings. This is a 
she herself is talked about as a mayoral candidate at that point, and she becomes sick and will not run, but has a role in slating the challenger, Jesus Chuy Garcia, who pushes Rahm Emanuel to a runoff. That brings us to pretty much present day. And before we get into today's politics, let's get into the findings of our investigation. We took a look back from 2002 when we closed those first three schools, Williams, Terrell, and Dodge. And basically what we did was count. We counted all the school openings. We counted all the school closings. We found the city has closed or turned around right around 200 schools. We have opened just about the same number, just shy of 200 schools. And another thing we did was count the number of students affected. No one had ever done this before, but we tallied up the number of students who've been directly affected by a school closing or turnaround. And we got to a really remarkable number, 70,000 kids. Of those, 90% are black. So 61,000 black kids since Williams, Dodge, and Terrell have lived through a school closing or turnaround. It's such a huge number. That's three times the size of my hometown. (laughs) So you went out to talk to the students that lived through this. Why? There's a little backstory I can tell. I was actually reporting on a completely different assignment some years ago. I was at a predominantly black high school, and I was asking kids um, just it was the end of interviews. And I was saying, "Okay, give me your name and your Mm -hmm. age and tell me what grammar Mm -hmm. school you had gone to. And kids um, told me things like I went to Price and later I went to Mollison. Or I went to Vernon Johns, and later I went to Holmes. Hmm. And no kid was telling me that their school had been closed, but they all were telling me that their school had been closed because every kid I interviewed was telling me they'd been to a grammar school that I knew was shut down. It's almost become part of growing up black in the city. So that was the impetus for me to want to count the number of black students affected by this policy. Did anyone experience the school closing, like, personally? Like, did anyone's school close, like a school that they was attending? You raise your hands. Hi, I want to count you. One, two, We wanted to put uh, voices of kids on the radio who have lived through a school closing. I went to a charter school on the west side called Legal Prep Charter. You know, nearly half of all students in in the random classroom that I visited had lived through a school closing. I went to Marconi. I was in fifth grade when it closed down. The school that I went to, it was called Brown Piccolo. I was up in fourth. I was in fifth grade. I came from Pope School. I attended Nicholson, and it closed. I attended Catalyst Howland, and it closed. My name is Kayliani Franklin, and I had went to Paderewski. I just feel like that it was just very, it was very tragic. In my reporting for this piece, uh, in looking for kids who'd really lived through a school closing, uh, one of the kids I met up with was Miracle Boyd. CPS wants to close our schools and send us to schools they see fit, but they aren't the ones sitting in those chairs. Five days a week struggling to learn because we don't have the necessities we need. She'd become a really big activist in her high school last year when the city was moving to close her school and three others in Inglewood. 
and I wanted to look for Miracle and see where she was now. I've been accepted to the National Honor Society. I'm running for president for juniors. I hope a lot of people vote for me, even though they don't know me. So that's like, how do I get people to vote for me? Turns out Miracle is at another Chicago public school, also on the south side. It's a beautiful school. It was opened about six years ago, brand new construction, rooftop gardens, yoga rooms, like high ceilings, big, bright classrooms. And Miracle is doing awesome. It's Miracle. Hello, Mr. Fig. Hello. This is Mr. Fig Rowe, my Spanish teacher. They want to know how my transition is going. I'm giving her a tour of the school. Well, Miracle's a wonderful addition. Yeah. Seems like she's transitioning pretty well. She joined the agricultural club, gardening. Yep, gardeners. She's interested in girls' track. Yep. See, he knows. She's one of my overachievers in Spanish class. Yeah, for sure. Works very hard. When you visit Miracle, when you see her, like, in her new environment, you can really see what the school district is after. This is exactly what this policy was meant to do. It was meant to take kids from some of our toughest, lowest-performing schools that have far too few kids, and that's affecting, you know, programming. They don't have honors classes. They don't have gardening clubs. And it's plucking them out of those schools and putting them in much, much better places. Can we say that this strategy of closing schools and opening new ones in their place is working? Well, to answer that, first I want to say something Miracle said to me, which actually really surprised me. Miracle admitted she's doing great. She loves her new school, but she still was incredibly insistent that she should not be at this school, that this is a flawed policy in the sense that everything she has at this new school, the gardeners, the track club, the honors courses, all of that should have been in her original school. That's Miracle's takeaway from her experience. Back to your question about whether this strategy has given us sort of a better school system. It's really hard to compare school quality over time. The tests change. The criteria we use to measure schools changes. We can say we have many more high-performing schools. Some of those are test-in schools. Uh, Some of them are charter schools. Many of them are new schools that we've created just in the last 17 years. But there's a big caveat to all this. Even if we could say that schools are better, we can't really say why. Of course, this issue is not going away. Nope. And that was really clear this week. Uh, We published this story on Monday. On Wednesday, the school board voted to shut down two more charter schools. Both these schools were new schools among the ones we'd opened in the last uh, 10 years. Both served nearly all black children. Also this week, a judge granted an injunction to stop the school board from closing an elementary school on the near south side. For the first time ever, Chicago Public Schools abandons a school closing they had already voted on. And then this happened. On behalf of the members of the Chicago Teachers Union, I am proud to announce 
that our highest um, deliberative body, our House of Delegates, um, more than 500 members, um, voted overwhelmingly to endorse Tony Preckwinkle for the mayor of the city of Chicago. All right, Linda, because school closings are still a big political issue and we've got a mayor's race coming up, what is the situation that the next mayor is going to be walking into? This other huge problem we have is under-enrollment. The whole time we've been opening schools, and remember, we've opened almost as many as we've closed, enrollment in this city, in the school district, has been declining by tens of thousands. So even though we've gone through this pain, the pain that's involved in closing 200 schools, we have not put a dent in our under-enrollment problem. And the next mayor is going to walk into office with way too many schools for the number of kids in the school system. Speaking of the next mayor, WBEZ, as part of this project, sent a short three-question survey to all the candidates who had declared by Thanksgiving. We asked where they stand on school closings and also openings. And their answers run the gamut. Most are opposed to closing schools. Willie Wilson is saying he will reopen some of the 50 that closed in 2013. Here he is talking to the Sun-Times' Fran Spielman. Well, look, if it's schools that were closed, uh, obviously we we got to open some of them back up. I know we ran ran out of You reopen some of the 50? Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. Tony Preckwinkle is promising a moratorium on school closings, as is Susana Mendoza. Several candidates didn't give us a clear yes or no. And two candidates, Gary Chico and Paul Vallis, were upfront that closing schools might be necessary. Vallis was actually pretty blunt about it when he was releasing his education platform. Any candidate who says, I'm never going to close schools, is a candidate who's gonna, who, who needs to be given, what did it call, four Pinocchios. Fun fact, Vallis and Gary Chico actually ran Chicago Public Schools together as CEO and school board president, respectively. That was early in Richard M. Daley's tenure before the era of closings started. You can see all of the mayoral candidates' responses on our website, wbez.org. They should be posted by Monday morning. That's all for today's episode. Our producer is Justin Bull. Our editor is Alex Keefe. Special thanks to Linda Lutton, Sarah Karp, Adriana Cardona-Magigad, Kate McGee, and Kate Grossman, who worked on the WBEZ investigation, A Generation of School Closings. You can rate, review, subscribe, and download the On Background podcast wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow all of WBEZ's political coverage at wbez.org slash politics and on air at 91.5 FM.